Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, uh, Stephen Pinecker, and uh, this is a very special episode because it's a Saturday night, and I'm going to be hanging out with some interesting people. Now, people ask me, Steve, what do you do uh, on Saturday nights, typically? And it'd be like, well, I like to hang out with uh, my favorite fundamentalist uh, polygamist, uh, Benjamin Schaefer. How you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Glad to be back. So uh, I... Uh, this is really kind of cool. Now, just so you know, you had mentioned to me that you are in Nevada and you are actually, this is the weekend of you, what you call solemn assembly, which is the equivalent of a general conference. Is that correct? Pretty similar to a general conference. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really important meeting for us, but it isn't open to the public. Uh, right. As a solemn assembly, it's a form of temple uh, worship essentially for us. And so it's about putting yourself into order and you come into the temple here and uh, participate in you know, meetings that are similar to a general conference, right? But the idea is by putting ourselves into order here on the earth, we imitate the order of heaven and we can thereby unlock uh, the heavens and obtain greater revelation. And so it is a, a it's a temple recommend only event. So, uh, you know, I, I want to get into some of those books that are behind you because it's an interesting story to tell, but I just want to kind of relay a story to you and my audience at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I was Zooming with a friend of mine earlier today. Um, he is a captain in the Salvation Army. And he, uh, he's actually a pastor of a church in uh, Michigan. Uh, Salvation Army, for those of you who don't know, mm -hmm. is not just a, you know, a organization that does good works, but it's actually a fully functioning church. And so he um, is a pastor in the church. And we get on the Zoom. We hadn't talked to each other for about six months. And I just talked to him, like, maybe when I was first starting the channel. And he said, you know, Steve, I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch a lot of your videos and he says, boy, I watched that Benjamin Schaefer interview. <laughs> that's that's flattering. That's really nice. <laughs> and he was like, Steve, it, it, it really challenged me as a pastor because he said, mm. I wasn't expecting to find myself nodding in agreement with a lot of what he said. And then he'd be say something and be like, well, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. You know, I, I recognize we're not all, all on the same page when it comes to a lot of things. So. Yeah. So, but I just thought even he, he brought that up and he, he was expecting one thing and it was completely opposite. And this is folks, you know, it's really interesting because uh, what really opened my eyes was before I even interviewed Benjamin, he sent me a link to one of the services. Uh, so here I am, this evangelical watching the bears game. And I had it on mute and I'm watching this. And all of a sudden this guy comes on with a yarmulke. Uh, right. He's doing, who's kind of, a, you know, running, uh, facilitating the service. And so Benjamin, I noticed you are wearing a yarmulke. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that uh, distinctive thing that your group does? Right. So, I mean, I don't know how distinctive it is in the sense that, it, there, you know, there's many millennia of tradition uh, in people covering their heads as a form of reverence. Um, for us being Mormons, what, what's the connection there? Well, there's a couple of things. One, uh, you could think about it in terms of our belief that it is our calling to gather Latter-day Israel in our time. Uh, so we believe that we're essentially connecting our generations, uh, our theology, our practice back to the original um, practices and beliefs of Abraham. So for example, even though we I don't always identify as Christian, for example. I believe, though, that my purpose is to be of the same religion as Jesus, Jesus's Judaism. Um, and then, of course, covering our heads uh, is one sign of reverence and respect that we can do uh, to, to show our submission to God. 
you know, when, when a person's ordained or blessed uh, in the LDS church and in a lot of other religious traditions, um, a pastor or a priest of some kind puts their hands on that person's head, covers their head. Um, and in a sense, my, my kippah, that's the actual Hebrew term for it, my kippah is a reminder that hands have been placed on my head, that I don't have authority of myself. I don't teach of myself or it's not about my own wisdom. It's about the authority of God that's been placed upon me. And that calling is not a calling for me to go out and do my own will. It's that I need to sub submit my will to the will of God. Um, and so uh, those are some of the various symbols. Now, there was an actual revelation encouraging us to do this and, and explaining some of the symbolism. For example, um, a kippah is, is round, right? So as a circle, it represents things like eternity. Um, it uh, is usually... Also, you know, it, it's fairly simple, it's fairly small, but it's therefore a reminder um, that God is always watching over us or that God is above us. That's the origin of our, of our teachings and so forth. Uh, one thing that uh, Mormons will be familiar with is that uh, in the highest and most reverent things that Mormons do, such as um, the endowment and sealing ordinances, it has been traditional for Mormons to cover their heads from the beginning. Uh, now, actually, uh, interestingly enough, the LDS Church recently changed the headwear for men and women in the LDS temples, and we haven't done that. We keep to the original, um, and this isn't this isn't that. This is something that we're doing only during worship meetings or during blessings or exercising our priesthood, and actually not all the time either. We don't view it as a requirement. It isn't like um, God will be displeased or angry with us if we don't. It isn't a sin to not wear okay. a, a kippah, but it is, it's something that we're doing to remind ourselves of these principles. And, and since um, it was Brother Jerry, uh, Gerald Peterson Jr., received a revelation about these symbols, uh, it's been our custom then to cover our heads in prayer and things like that. Hmm. Interesting. So how long have you guys been doing that for now? Oh, I, gee, a while. I would say about 12 years ago, something like that, that the revelation. By the way, I haven't asked you, how long have you been a member of this group? Um, almost that long, okay. about 11 years. By the way, it's uh, called Christ Church, also known as the branch, is there, there's mm -hmm. the terms that they go under. Um, so uh, just to, want to let my audience know that, that what part of the reason this episode is going to be special is that Benjamin at times is going to go and fetch various members of the uh, group and uh, have them come in and talk for a few minutes with me. I can ask them a few questions. Perhaps uh, I'll ask a question that he'll want to get somebody else who's more expert at. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. So this general conference and their meeting, as a matter of fact, he was just telling me relief societies might still be gone. He says sometimes the spirit operates and it might go a little longer than expected. <laughs> a little longer than planned. <laughs> Which I come from a charismatic slash Pentecostal tradition, and that's very common. So I can understand that. Um, so I, uh, man, I, there are so many things I would love to talk to you about. Let's first of all, just talk about all those books behind you. Uh, you... Um, guys have actually a very large collection and that is what is that your church history library that i'm looking at behind you it is yeah um and right now this is this is somewhat small we have a lot of a lot of other materials that are just um, archived but this is what's out at the moment um and yeah we've got a we've got a wide variety of books um of course some of them are published by the lds uh, church uh for example right about here <laughs> uh, we have all of the joseph smith papers volumes for example um 
what a great project that's been uh, that's been coming out and, and and vindicating in so many ways. Uh, for example, one of my favorites um, little quotes from Joseph Smith about Adam God. We talked about Adam God earlier. The uh, Council of 50 Minutes actually has um, a place that it appears in the Joseph Smith papers where Joseph Smith directly and intentionally teaches the Adam God doctrine explicitly, uh, which isn't something that uh, people thought he did. A lot of people want to say it was Brigham Young innovating later that came up with that. But Brigham Young said, no, 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 Joseph Smith taught me this in Nauvoo. Um, and now we have a record of where Joseph Smith taught Brigham Young and others those doctrines in Nauvoo. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a wide variety of books in here from uh, the Community of Christ, from the Hedrickites, from various other Mormon fundamentalists. As well as our own history, um, and you know, and various other books of scripture that we consider scripture that uh, uh, maybe other groups don't, uh, as well. Uh, we we have a, a, a somewhat broader view of of the canon, I think. Yes. Than most of groups. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about it off camera, and I'd actually like to maybe get to talking about the canon, but I just this is going to be a little bit of an impromptu. Uh, thing we're doing. I had a list of questions, but also things are going to pop in my mind. And one of them was sure. uh, uh, talking about collections and uh, and stuff and mm -hmm. research. You know, Ogden Kraut and uh, Gerald Tanner were very good friends. And uh, <laughs> well, yeah, at least uh, at least very happy to uh, learn and share with each other. Well, sure. I guess and apparently Ogden <laughs> told uh, the only difference between you and I think exactly the same is just that the only difference is I believe it and you don't. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, and, and, and I've actually personally talked to Sandra Tanner about um, Ogden Kraut and his relationship. Mm -hmm. um, she opened up the store a Sunday afternoon. I was there and uh, met with me and Mick, Rick Bennett for about three and a half hours just off the record, having great conversation with each other. And then of course, Sandra came on my program and talked. But I do find it interesting that, you know, the Tanners, and, and I like to talk, talk about the convergences of our world. Well, here we have uh, Gerald Tanner mm -hmm. and Ogden Kraut being good friends. And of course, talk a little bit about Ogden Kraut while we're at it. Uh, I know you, you're not affiliated yep. with him, but he's also very influential within your movement. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's, he was a really interesting author. Um, I mean, doctrinally, we disagree with him occasionally, but he did a, a huge amount of research and published some really great classic books about Mormon doctrine and history. Um, but of course, he was a polygamist and was not fully appreciated by the LDS um, church. However, there was still a whole lot of BYU professors that read his books and things like that. And we actually have... Um, we actually have all of his books here, uh, most of them the originals that he, he you know, he home published himself, um, as well as some later reprints and things like that of all of his books, uh, because really he's he's an important figure in in Mormon fundamentalism and really in any academic circle involving Mormonism, uh, because he brought to light certain things. Now, there are holes in his research and there are things he got wrong. But he was one of the only places that was writing devotional material about his belief in doctrines that the church was really trying to pretend didn't even exist. And he was writing entire books about them. So he has a book on rebaptism, for instance. Right now, the LDS church policy is that you're baptized once and that you're not baptized again unless it's uh, unless you're trying to recover from an excommunication, something like that. Um, but we find that there's a great deal of scriptural uh, precedent throughout the Bible and um, the LDS scriptures for baptism occurring in later in life. It's not always just when you're eight years old or something as a child and then you're done. Um, 
a prime example of that, as far as I'm concerned, would be Jesus in the New Testament was baptized by John the Baptist when he was about 30 years old. I certainly don't believe that he'd never even heard of a mikvah or that he'd never um, done any of those things. For example, when he was uh, 12, 11 or 12, right, he was in the temple um, speaking with the, um, the professors of the law and so forth. We all know that story where um, Joseph and Mary, they depart and then they can't find Jesus. Where's Jesus? Uh, and they go back and they find him teaching in the temple. Well, he certainly wouldn't have been teaching in the temple if he hadn't participated properly in the temple rituals that existed at the time, which included baptism. Um, so, yeah, we would consider even that most obvious example of baptism, that most sacred example that every Christian is familiar with, of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, we would view that as a rebaptism. So, you know, these are some of the um, ideas that 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 Ogden Kraut was was putting out there and, and talking about right at the same time period that the LDS church was trying to, to create a kind of uniformity of doctrine. And, and so he was, he was a real bugbear to their project there. Yeah. And he's, he's an interesting story. And I do believe that in the uh, Gerald and Sandra Tanner biography, which is going to be put out by signature books sometimes next year. Uh, I think mm -hmm. they do cover their, actually they do cover some interesting stuff about Ogden Kraut mm -hmm. and wiretaps and everything. Uh, so there were a lot of interesting things going on back then uh, we'll, that just give you a little preview of some interesting Yeah, we stuff. have a bunch of the Tanner's works in here too. Oh, I'm sure and you do. If there's anything yeah. we're missing, I hope Sandra will donate some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, Sandra, Sandra's been, uh, I've been often on communicating with her. I haven't really talked to her lately, um, but that was one of, I had asked about Ogden. And also folks, I just want to let you know that I did talk to Kevin Kraut uh, when I was out in Utah and he's a son of Ogden Kraut. And uh, the intention is uh, one of the conversations I, I brought up to him, and he seemed really interested in having the conversation with, is about Bishop Coyle's dream mind. Uh, so uh, we're going to have that conversation down the road. Uh, I think that, you know, the reality is, folks, that part of what I'm doing with my program is I'm actually documenting stories that really haven't been told, uh, you know. And, yeah. and really, one of the strangest and most controversial things that Ogden Kraut ever wrote about was about the dream mine and trying to record a bunch of the things that were essentially only oral history for a very long time before that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, um, I, and I know people who are believers in the dream mine. So that, and that's a whole, that's a whole ball of um, a whole rabbit hole, at least of, <laughs> of totally uh, different Mormon, Mormon culture that uh, isn't, you know, it's not really affiliated with my church, but right. Uh, but there's, but there's a whole nother world out there. And it's really interesting if you, I live in that area, I live in Spanish Fork and um, I can see the dream mine from my house. Wow. Um, and, you know, you'll ask people in the local area what they think about it and you'll get mainstream LDS and Mormon fundamentalists and, um, and even really not Mormon, not fully Mormon people who have every variety of opinion, people who are true believers, people who are absolutely against it. It's really quite fascinating. It is great. It's a great story. Um, I see. I see you're looking. You got somebody that wants to talk. I do. I've got somebody that I want to have talk to you. Awesome. Bring them in. All right. Cool. So, folks, this is really exciting. Uh, I'm just going to talk here while he's getting there. Oh, wow. So Hello this there. Is, this is Ann Hatch. Hi, she Ann. is our temple matron. How are you? Oh, you're the temple matron. Oh, this yes. is so awesome. So um, last time I was out in Utah, um, Rick Bennett, me, and uh, my friend Christopher Thomas were kind of making plans to visit you, but you, I guess, Correct. were you at the farm? Uh, somebody, Benjamin told me you were at the firm foundation thing, or were you supposed to go to that and you got sick? 
I, I got sick, but my husband went to that. Yes. Okay. Cause then I was kind of, Oh, I can at least meet you. So you're the matron of the temple. This is so awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> so tell me, what is it like to be the matron of a temple? Humbling. Okay. <laughs> Very humbling because you know, in our beliefs, um, our temple is a very sacred place where we uh, make covenants with our heavenly father and with our spouses and we um, bind our families together forever in an mm -hmm. eternal link like a chain right mm -hmm. going all the way back as far as we can and to be able to provide a service for our ancestors that we believe um, is necessary for their exaltation and not everyone has that opportunity and as a temple matron I get to be there um, all the time and I get to help people do their genealogy and to fill out their name slips and to you know feel that their love for their ancestors and it just it warms my heart whoops sorry mm -hmm. I had no pockets um, <laughs> and um, you know it, it warms my heart to be able to help families like that and to to tie people together and so for me it's it's exciting but it's very humbling so how long have you been a member of Christ Church um, we, my husband and I, and my mother joined, and one of our children joined um, Christ Church in 2003, wow. December. Wow. And um, what were you, what would you have considered yourself before joining uh, Christ Church? A fifth generation Mormon from the beginning okay. of the time. Wow. And so what was that like making that transition? It was tough. It really was, you know. Um, Growing up, I was, I always felt like I needed to be in the Salt Lake LDS church and that that's where it was at and Joseph Smith and there were no others. And I didn't realize at the time how many different branches of the restoration there really are. Yeah. Um, I never really was looking much for anything and um, friends of ours came and they talked to us and they told us some things and um, they shared some information with us and we went and prayed about it and my mom remembered her father talking about some of these things that we didn't talk about in the LDS church any further. And it just kind of, it set with us and, but it was still hard because it was like leaving home, you know? Yeah. And, um, but this is our home now and we have family within the church membership here. And, and we also have family who have joined since then, but, um, it's it's been an amazing spiritual journey for me to to grow and and to learn more and especially with the temple calling in fact you know right now we're having our solemn assembly i think brother benjamin might have explained that to you and i just left the release society meeting where i actually um, gave a presentation on um, temple covenants and the importance of a temple marriage wow wow um it, it it's just so fascinating to me now of course so many people from my side now i'm an evangelical mm -hmm. and you know I, I i can i don't know how to ask the question but i'm going to ask the question are you uh are you do you have sister wives that you're uh, or are you are you guys married a monogamous or what what is, i mean if you don't mind me asking if you don't want to answer that's fine you can ask that question it's fine okay. um i i do have some sister wives yes and what was that what's that like making that transition you know, it was, it was very interesting. Um, I will tell you that I think part of why I could accept it so much is because my family was so much into genealogy. And I actually learned to read and write helping my grandparents 
do genealogy, my mom and my aunts. And um, some of the first stories that I read about some of my ancestors um, back from the beginning of the church history, you know, in the 1800s was how this principle was taught to them and how their testimonies grew of it. And I remember telling my mom at like age 13, one day I'm going to live that. And I'm not going to live it just in heaven, like, you know, the LDS church I had learned there. I'm going to live this in this life, mortal life before I die. And, you know, so, I mean, like nothing is easy, right? And even just being married monogamously has its own sets of challenges and, and tests us in every way possible. And this just expands your heart even more so, you know, and for me, um, kind of a personal thing is I was only able to have one child. I lost a baby and then I couldn't have any other children. And this has helped me to have other children. I mean, I have what somebody would call, consider a stepchild or something, I guess, but we don't, we don't use those terms. They're just our kids. And I have other kids and grandkids that I would have never had in my life if it hadn't have been for this. And so it's quite the blessing to me, even with all of its little challenges, but we're a family and I couldn't have it any other way. So we use the term sister wives and that's really, you're, you are sisters with them. Is that how you view, view, view your relationship with them? Yeah, that is, that's how I view it. And I was also an only child. So I never got to have any siblings. And so, yeah, I mean, we share a lot of things. I mean, in our life, just like siblings would share. And, you know, including our husband, but that's the least of our, our, you know, worries, I guess, in a way, um, we, we share our life together. We've, we've built a life. Do you, do you like have like, like the sister wives, you guys get together and like have meetings or Bible studies or do like spiritual things or, or, or planning of things like for the households. I mean, tell me what those meetings look like. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, so one of my sister wives hates it when I call it, I say, Hey, can I talk to you? And she's like, Oh no, now what, you know, and in jest, but um, yeah, I mean, we talk about what are we going to do for the holidays this year? Are we going to draw names? Are we going to get everybody presents? Are we just going to do the kids? You know, who's going to make what pies for Thanksgiving? Who's going to, you know, do what if, if we're going to go to trunk or treat, you know, who's helping out with that? You know, are your kids coming out and I can help and take them around or, or whatever. And so, yeah, they're supplying with some of those things and, and there's plenty with other things too, like budgets and, and, you know, we have households to maintain and, and things to take care of in those regards too. And yeah, we talk about all those things. Hmm. I mean, and it's not like we sit down and we have a meeting, we have an agenda and we go through each item like you would like in a business or anything, right. but it. it's more of just talking, just like, you know, if you're inviting your sister and brother-in-law over for, you know, Christmas, you, you talk about things and what you're going to do. And, you know, are you going to go caroling? Or are you going to go out and look at the trees and the lights in the houses? Or, you know, you're going to go to some great program from a church and, and listen to the story of Christ or whatever. And so we talk about those things and we talk about what we're going to do and how we're going to celebrate stuff. Huh. Now, do you all live on under one roof? No, we did, but we, um, at one point in time, there were, we've had three at the same time in one roof, but um, primarily it was just two, but right now um, we've had someone pass away. And um, so the rest just, we have our own houses. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, so you had mentioned uh, the holidays and Christmas. So you guys uh, like celebrate all the major holidays? Yes. And do you guys celebrate Halloween? 
we do trunk or treats. Okay. Yes. So we dress up and wear costumes. We just did that last weekend. Okay. Yeah. So. We, we try to, we try. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good point. There's others that have joined me in the room now, okay. but, but we do try to not do like gory, scary stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and, and no Freddy Krueger and murdery type things, but fun things, you know, I mean, my sister, wife's son and his family, um, him and his wife dressed up as, um, um plague doctors and then their little boy was wearing all black and he was the black plague <laughs> <laughs> and they decorated up their place like that and they gave away gummy worms as leeches and oh. and it was you know to get rid of the plague to get rid of the the bad stuff but we we do all kinds of things i went as buzz Lightyear. oh wow that's awesome so um man there's so many things this is so cool uh do you ever watch the show big love I have watched probably four or five versions of it. Yes. Four okay. or five like, episodes. episodes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I just said, what do you think of it? How it portrays things? I thought it was interesting. I thought it was kind of funny at the same time. And, you know, I mean, I just, I couldn't get into it, but I could see different things where they were pointing it to me. Um, my five wives and sister wives were a little bit more interesting. Oh. I do think that they were over dramatized. Mm -hmm. And I think that in some regards that that was probably hurtful more for the family. That would uh, be, it'd be in my opinion, it would be very hard to have a camera in my face all the time, follow me around through the good and the bad. And they want to focus on the drama, yep. but, but I think that those, um, those series, those TV shows, um, have done a good deal in helping show that, you know, we're, we're normal people trying to live normal lives. I mean, maybe our, our marriage relationships look a little bit different, but you know, we're just a family like everybody else. Oh, this is so cool. The matron of the temple. How long have you been the matron there? Um, September of 2013, wow. no, 2012, excuse wow. me. Well, that's so awesome. So I got Benjamin hovering there. I don't know if he's got somebody else that wants to come on. He or... does. Okay. He Becky here. Wow. You'll love her. I'll love Becky. Okay. Well, hey, I love you. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. And we'll talk later if you want. Very good. All right. Okay. This is like so cool, folks. I mean, here I am just talking to people. They're just going to sit in front of me and talk. And I'm really enjoying this. This is really, really cool. I'm just waiting for my next guest to. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Now, I don't know if I've ever met you. Well, I'm an evangelical and I have done two interviews with Benjamin. And the purpose of my channel is to, uh, in, uh, where I call it, it's my show is called Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. And the purpose of my program is to talk to everyone and not exclude oh, okay. anyone until all voices need to be heard for the full picture and history and story to be told. So tell me a little bit about your story. Um, my story goes clear, clear back. I actually was, um, I don't know if you know what the, the apostolic brethren, do you know mm -hmm. them? Yep. So you're, you're familiar with them. Okay. You, you, they, the AUB? AUB. Yep. Mm -hmm. Apostolic United Brethren. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, I did know Brother Rulin. Okay. And um, he's actually the, the prophet. I, we considered him a prophet. Mm -hmm. And so he's the one that I first um new in the gospel and i to me he was absolutely just you could just feel that he, he sensed he was very deep in 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 the gospel he was very well versed and you could just feel the i don't know there was just something about him that he he had been through so much that he just was really a neat person to know huh interesting so, 
Wow. So, and then how did you end up? It was so sad that he was shot. Yeah. He did not deserve that at all. Yeah. There was, uh, that was, there were some bloody years there in your movement, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 What was that like when he was assassinated? How did that affect you? Uh, It was just devastating the fellow that was trying to tell me about it he couldn't even he couldn't even sit down and talk he just kept pacing the floor because it was so hard on him and he was trying to tell us about that that he had been shot and and you know i i've read what his wife melba that was there i knew her um and it was devastating on her and you know i had just barely been to my brother's wedding my brother was married three or four days before Rulin was shot. So I had barely been to the wedding. I'd seen Brother Rulin. That was the last time I got to see him. Wow. Now, were you born and raised in the AUB? No, no. I actually was born and raised in the Mother Church. We call it the Mother Church. That's the way Brother Rulin referred to it. That's the LDS Church. Uh-huh. You know, I learned a lot of things from the LDS Church. I really appreciate the LDS Church. I, I felt like it, it gave me the good basics of, of prayer and and paying your tithing and being a good Christian, I felt like it was very good that way. Wow. And then did you uh, make the decision to then be- become a member of the AUB or your family? It or was how did that go? actually my mom and dad that made that decision. Okay. And so, how did you, how, how old were you when that happened? I was about 14 or 15. And were you okay with that? Or were you a little apprehensive when they first did it? Actually, when I listened to the one that that talked to them was Brother Peterson that we called him Brother Peterson, and he was he was uh, definitely uh, very much affiliated with uh, with um, Brother Allred, and he because they were both naturopathic doctors, uh-huh. so they met in the naturopathic doctor meetings, and then Gerald started realizing that you know Brother Peterson started realizing that he he uh, could feel something about Brother Rulin. There's something unique there. And so Brother Rulin told him, well, don't talk about it here. We'll talk about it later. So it wasn't discussed in the naturopathic meeting. <laughs> oh, interesting. So how long have you been part of the Righteous Branch? Or the oh, branch, was, I'm sorry, the branch. I Well, you can call it the Righteous Branch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, what happened is that my husband's the one that started it. Oh, okay. So I was there when it first started. Now, this, I, from my history, I actually haven't talked to Benjamin about this. Did, didn't did Rulin appear to your husband in, yes. a, in a vision? And yes. dream? Would you want mm-hmm. maybe talk a little bit about that? I wasn't there when it happened, but I know that he, okay, he was a person that believed he had a lot of faith. And my husband was not born into the mother church, in the, into the LDS church. Never was born there. He was born out in Lusk, Wyoming. He was to a couple of, ca- of ranchers. And when they moved to Utah, then he met his first wife, Faye. And when he, in the courtship, she introduced, of course, he met her father. And he's the one that introduced him to the, to the LDS church. But he wasn't a person that knew the limits. He didn't know the limits of how the Mormon church believed you could only do this and you could only do that. He wasn't, he wasn't around it enough to know that. So when he read the scriptures, he took it literally. And he could open doors he, when they were locked hmm. so that he could take care of his quorum. Hmm. 
They gave him a quorum to teach. He was opening locks. Never told anybody. When he finally did tell him, he realized that that was a goof. Hmm. You kind of lose your gifts if you talk about them much. But because of all these things that happened, he was able to. He he was he was able to understand. He 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 took the gospel very seriously. And so when I came around, my parents, my mom was really sick. And so she went to the, she went to Brother Peterson to, to regain her health because he was a naturopath and she wanted to do it naturally. And in, in the course of events, he taught the gospel to my parents. Now, I didn't want to marry somebody way older than me. He was 35 years older than me. But I had a patriarchal blessing from Brother Rulin that stated that I would be led to the husband of my choice. And I'm the one that goofed. If there was any goof to be made, hmm. he told me, he asked me if I would marry him. And I says, for some reason, my mind flashed to my aunt Frances. And I says, I'm going in the family that my aunt Frances goes in because my mind was saying, now he'll, she'll know a good man from a bad one. She hasn't married for 50 some odd years. She'll know a good one from a bad one. So that's what I told him. I'm going in the family that my aunt Frances goes into. So then he starts asking me about my Aunt Frances. And then my dad and him went down and visited with her. And what do you know? She accepted his proposal. <laughs> wow. I was I was a mad hornet. <laughs> I wasn't even civil at that wedding. Oh. Oh yeah, because I knew I had cornered myself. Yeah. Okay, but it was me that did it. Okay. So do you think Brother Ruland was right when he said I'd be led to the husband of my choice? Well, I, I guess ultimately I, I, it did happen, I right? Cornered, I cornered myself. Yeah. I couldn't get after anybody but me. And wow. so after that, I am, um, but I knew because when he would talk, when Gerald would talk about um, teleporting, he could talk about flying saucers. I mean, he, he was a man of many, 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 you know, there wasn't anything he could, didn't delve into. And Faye, <laughs> Faye says, now, you know, you married um, an airplane pilot, a doctor, a radio engineer, a electrician, a, let's see, he liked to do water witching. He liked alchemy. He liked, you know, there wasn't much he didn't get into. Huh. And, my, and my mom always said, I knew you'd have to have to marry somebody brainy or you would not be happy. So I actually met my, my match wow. <laughs> and, then, and then some, <laughs> Wow. and, and Faye was nothing but very, very kind to me. She included me in the family. She had already dreamed about me before I ever bumped into Rulin and her and Gerald. She'd already dreamed about me. Huh. And so just, so basically after Rulin passed away, he did appear then. Um, oh yeah oh yeah and i it, it, this is this stuff was not far out my my husband believed in time travel okay. he took us on time travels he you know to him this was just living this is just part of life is being open to the spirit getting revelation and and learning what god wants you to do in life huh interesting wow you know that you tell a little bit of a story of what? Of uh, well, because he was just he, he he. Well, basically, what he's asking about, he doesn't know the story. 
about okay. whether or not what happened when Roland appeared. Can you tell us a little bit about the story about your own experience with my the founding sister, of the church? My sister was actually there and he, she knows that he was he was having problems with his back. He was he couldn't walk real well. And so when Brother Rulin came to him, he told him that he would be healed. And so when he walked out of that room, he, he was doing the hula. He was doing everything. He says, now I want you to make note. <laughs> I'm better. I'm healed. Because that was part of, part of the witness to know that Brother Rulin had been there. That see, I wasn't up in Mangum Night. That was the building where the, where he had this visitation. Huh. So I wasn't right there, but I was down at a ranch that we had purchased because Brother Rulin told us that that would be a blessing to us and that we should do that. And so when I was told that Brother Rulin was shot, I was I was clear down in Southern Utah. I wasn't right up there where he was, but my sister was there, huh. and I you know. I know that he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be making these things up. He didn't want to be a key holder. He mm -hmm. realized what it was for, on, on, I mean, any man that watches what another man goes through when they hold this position, they know it's not something to envy. It's not yeah. something to covet. You don't want that responsibility. That's like us wanting to be Enoch in the city of Enoch. Mm it's a lot of responsibility you've got to speak the truth and they called enoch a wild man so of course they thought my husband was a wild man too <laughs> oh what an interesting story you have to tell um when you look back on your life um do you do you sometimes wonder what it would have been like to be monogamous or or do you have any regrets about anything that's happened or are you pretty satisfied with the path that you're uh, i took? wouldn't I wouldn't trade any of it. I can tell you because I was so well. I mean, Faye and I had over 20 years together. And when she passed away, it was hard. Mm. That was harder almost than him passing away. Wow. But they knew that I was going to be here longer than them. And her dream was that I would be dusting. And I know that they left me here to say what I'm saying. To tell the story. Yes, to tell the story. That's why I'm 35 years younger. Okay. So I'm here to tell the story. Well, and that's why I'm doing my program because there's so many untold stories out there. And I want to just thank you so much for sharing that story with me. Um, is there anything else? Like, for instance, most of my audience is a mixture of LDS and Community of Christ and um, independent people. Um, well, do you have a message maybe for, for my listeners? I really, really feel that we have to do everything that Joseph Smith taught. Everything he taught has to be done if we want the blessings he is going to give us. We can't, we can't change. We can't make, we can't take one diddle away from it. We've got to go back to what Joseph Smith taught. We cannot, we, we, we're doing what the, the Catholics and every other church has done. We're going away from the fountain. We're moving away from what was really taught. And when you go back to what Joseph Smith taught, he was teaching how to get celestial marriage and how to give to a higher level. We don't fathom it down here. We cannot fathom what the celestial kingdom really is. We're in a, we're down too low to really fathom the whole of what's up there.
Wow, interesting. So uh, just while I still have you, let me just think of some questions here. How about what is your favorite story in the Book of Mormon? I love to, to um, I love to go over King Benjamin because I feel like he's such an example of service and he did not extract from his people more than he would give. Mm. Interesting. I think that's one of my favorites. Wow. Well, I see people lining up behind you. So yeah, there's plenty more coming. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on and telling, uh, telling the story and perhaps uh, we could continue that dialogue down the road as well. You have a so one, one thing I would like to mention, I honestly do believe that no one woman can help a man get their godhood. I don't think you can do it with one woman. I think you need a quorum because you need every one of the, of the characteristics and the gifts of all those women. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Well, all right. Well, I first got around, yeah. and they were like, "Hey, I want to uh, come and say hello." So I've got uh, I've got three more guys here uh, awesome. <laughs> that uh, that that might want to say hi. Oh, hey, I have a quick um, question. The, the, sure. On the gospel tangents, um, I can't. What was the name of the other guy that was with you in those episodes? David Patrick. Is he around? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll text him see if he can't uh, bop in and say hello. Yeah, just for the heck of it, you know, be like, "Hey, I know you." <laughs> like yeah, that's like right. i knew you that's how i found you tracked you down i'm like that guy looks familiar <laughs> remember how we met we had to kind of like be um yeah and you know he's he's got a lot of important callings too okay uh so he can talk a lot about what's going on in the church yeah. and, and things like that for example he is the mission president okay yeah that'd be cool that'd be cool um, oh i have um, a quick question for you do you yeah. do you, what don't, do you still have the i am a mormon mormon bumper sticker on your car yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, because because that's the thing. I was like, well, we're the real Mormons. Uh, when the LDS Church said that they were gonna do away with the word Mormon, I was like, well, good. Now we can drop the word fundamentalist because the only the only Mormons anymore will be Mormon fundamentalists, so called. Because we're still Mormon, even if they're not Mormon anymore. So, I, I, I like to tease them, of course, that uh, they were ex Mormons now, and they're like, no, no, we're not ex Mormons. So I was like, well, would you say that you're against using the word Mormon for your church? Does that make you anti Mormons? And they're like, no, 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 no that's terrible. You know, but I just thought it was, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> you clever, clever. You, you like to cause trouble. Um, well, uh, let me let me put on Derek. Okay, uh, let's bring Derek He's, on. That's great. Derek, uh, Derek is an elder. And uh, he has uh, served a mission. In fact, I think he's just about got the record for proselyting mission. Oh. Uh, for length of mission. And okay. he, he really got around the country, too. So he's got some great stories. Okay. All right. So we got Derek, who is... Uh... I'm right. her grandson, actually. You're what? I'm, I'm Becky's grandson. Oh, awesome. Okay. So you're a young guy, and uh, you just came from a mission. Um, not just it was like three years ago. Okay, two or three years ago. Two or I think. Three years ago. Okay. Now exactly. he said that you traveled all around the country. Where all did you go? I went as far as uh, Ohio, and I went in that area a bit, and then I went into uh, no Ohio to Nevada, and also up to like uh, let's see, we went up to Oregon and in the area for a bit, Montana, Wyoming a little bit. And then we also went down uh, in Arizona, but we're going to talk to Hopi Indians and Navajos and other people like that. So when you're out like in Ohio and doing, who, who, you, who are you seeking out to talk to? Um, for the Kirtland, when we went to Ohio, we actually went to Kirtland, Ohio for an event. We uh, drove all the way there without a script, which is actually really cool because we didn't pay a dollar. 
we just we prayed to God to help us, and we he went and uh, asked people if they would be willing to help us with a couple of dollars. And normally we didn't spend more than ten minutes at a gas station, including pumping. And so oh. we just got there, asked them to help us. They helped us out. We had a full tank again. We had, we had to be on our way. We'd uh, share a little bit with them and we'd give a pamphlet, give them a card, talk to them for a minute if they will if they want. Normally they were in a hurry too, though, so they also left. Right. But yeah, that was how the, that normally went. But when we went there, our targeted our targeted audience was you could say the people at the event. But we also wanted to talk to everyone else just around. Now, this would be an LDS-related event? Um, it was um, mostly LDS. is like more more uh, ex-Mormon kind of event. Oh, I got you. I got you. And Community Christ. It's actually hosted oh, yeah. by the Community Christ. Okay, got it. Got it. So, like, I know that you guys used to go to the Manti pageant and, and, and do kind of, like, interference with the evangelicals <laughs> did you do anything like that oh yeah that, that was great what was it like was interacting great. with the evangelicals um when i first started i uh i actually had memory problems I, I couldn't like retain any like information like any scripture references and stuff like if i read it i couldn't remember remember it and so i still when i first started out my mission i that was a real big hurdle because i go and talk to these christians and you know i'm talking about the bible and, and what i had for experience wise i had experienced god's love i i knew god was real i i he had shown he had been, saved my life so multiple times whether it was telling me to put my seatbelt on before our vehicle turned when i was like seven years old or when like a bull was charging me when i was like six years old and, and, and something just threw it away right before it hit me or i mean there there are many moments in my life where miraculous things happen to spare my life so i know god's real or at least there's something out there and so i and i felt god's love when i was 16 he i, I believe i was what they call born again because my heart was changed and I just got a smile on my face. And I, I, I just got filled with life. And that, 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 so that I knew. So when the Christians are targeting me, be like, what are the scriptures? Oh, no, 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 no. Going, going all back and forth saying how this is what the scriptures teach. This is what this t- says. How, how can you refute that? I'm like, well, I've, my testimony is Jesus. So, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> do I really, do, I mean, what, what do I do at this point? Because I, I didn't know the scriptures very well. What I did know was the scripture was, was like God was real, but I couldn't remember the scriptures I even read. So at that time, though, I had experience on my mission where I actually fasted and prayed on like three or four up towards like three and a half days, two, two, two to three and a half days a week for like an entire month, just praying the whole time, trying to get help. Because I remember got my mission. I just couldn't tell people what was what we even believed because I couldn't remember anything. Hmm. And so I was really frustrated about this, this, uh, uh, memory issue and so what i did is i prayed and fast and stuff and after about a month of that i just spent like an hour just on my knees praying just pouring my heart out and i stood up and i just my entire body was just vibrating like i just felt this like low hum but it just felt so amazing it's like beyond description of how good it felt but after that i mean i believe that was me having a baptism of fire i was born i was born again before but then i had a baptism of fire god invigorated my spirit but my memory in, like became exponential. I could all remember most things. I get compliments on how good my memory is now because I can remember most events just to the details, and I, I can quote scriptures left and right. I need so. I need to hop in here and be the second witness to this huh. because I tell you what, I was there for this, and at the beginning of his mission, he was always like, "Wait, uh, isn't that there or here or well, don't who believes this and who believes that?" and and he was he was definitely confused at the beginning and toward the end of his mission for like the last year or two years of his mission i'd be in the middle of a sermon i'd be like where's that scripture that says and i'd say like three words of any random passage out of any scripture and he'd have the reference for me before i was done wow 
it was incredible what happened there. So th this is just trying to give some feedback so you understand my how, what happened for me. So anyways, going to the Christian events when they were now citing scriptures, I couldn't refute any scriptures. I could try because at this point I had a month of, of actual good memory. And so I've been in that month of good memory. I'm trying to remember as much as possible, trying to study as much as possible. So I read the Book of Mormon and I read a little bit of uh, the Bible. And in that time, I got a little bit so I could answer some questions, but then they started being like really pointed questions because those Christian evangelical Christians are really targeted questions. Mm -hmm. they, they apparently train them. Like, I talked to them, they, they, have a, they have a seminary for arguing Mormons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, really? Okay, well, these guys, one of these guys is like, yeah, I've been doing this. I've been, I've been training how to debunk Mormonism for the last two and a half decades. I'm like, ha! I got about a month. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. that was that. But so I went on some, I was having, I wasn't sure. But the thing is, I, I knew God was real. I didn't care what was real as long as I knew what, as long as I was following the truth. And so I said, okay, if, if Christianity is right, I want to know if Mormon is right. I want to know. I just want to know where God wants me because I, I convinced, I committed myself to God back when I was 16. And so what I did is I just went and I started just, the entire time I was talking after about three days. So after about three days of the pageant, I start I start fasting that day. And I just fasted for like two days. And I was praying the whole time I was having all those conversations, which meant I was sitting down a lot because I don't stand and not eat very well. You know, they, the, the Christians like to stand there and be all like jilly jolly and, and try to get you to stand and get in your face and stuff. And I'm like, I don't have the energy for this. I haven't had food in two days. I need to sit down. <laughs> like, can you sit on the grass with me? I'm okay with that. I can. I could talk to you from here. Anyway, so I didn't really sit down and have these conversations. But after a while, there was just like they brought they brought the, their normal argument again, and they, I had just like revelation. I believe it was revelation because all of a sudden my mind just opened up and, and knowledge, and a lot of the questions all of a sudden started making sense to me. I understood the character of God, how He was life and light, and just how, what that really meant, and how that really fit into the picture. And all of, the, all of a sudden, my, I just started saying words to back them. I, I, I didn't really know what I was even saying. I just started saying what, what I felt inspired to say. And all, and all of a sudden, they were getting confused because they were like, you know, debunking me, debunk, debunk, debunk. And all of a sudden, bam, I got this revelation. They got the spirit. And I could start, I start saying everything else to them. They're like, oh, I don't know what to say anymore. Hmm. <laughs> What's he saying? I'm like, how do we answer that question? That's a, that's a good point. What, what, what are we, how, do we, how do we answer this? But all of a sudden, that, that right there started a major or change turnaround for me. I was up to like 5.30 that night just talking scriptures with everyone else. I'm like, my goodness, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how long did you serve a mission? Two years, seven months, roughly. About and two years and seven months. Overall, uh, how did that affect you and personally and also in your spiritual uh, walk? Um, it changed everything for me in my personal walk. And personally, it, it educated me. It, helped, it taught me how to talk to people, which is great. It taught me to trust God. I mean, I saw miracle after miracle after miracle on my mission, whether it was battling demons, because apparently they're real. One grabbed my leg and threw me out from on my feet, which was scary. But, you know, th that was at the same time we were being assaulted by like a thousand of them. It doesn't mean my companion thought anyway, because we could saw image after image, but we could feel like just oppressive energy the whole time. So I, I know there's a devil a hundred percent. You know, he grabbed my legs and threw them out from under me. I'm not really unconvinced about the character of his nature, of his power. He has validity and it's, I believe it's you know, acquired through other means than God's, 
of course, but but also at the same time, when that was all happening, we were calling upon God to help us, and I mean, there were angels present, like fighting for us. I mean, it was pretty great experience, like crazy. But you know, I have I have a lot to say. It sounds like it. Yeah, you know, maybe I should have you come back and do a one-on-one and tell some more mission stories. Um, So, are you married? I am. Uh, I am married to. Yes, I'm married and very happy. <laughs> okay, okay. I know the details, but yeah. Okay, so, oh, you don't want to discuss the, the details of your uh, marriage? I'm just trying to keep it short because we were obviously trying to keep it short because I have a line. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, uh, so, and, and you just have one wife or two? I have or one wife. One wife. Do you have plans in the future for? Um, if God so chooses, I, I accept. Okay. I mean, I, I've learned that in my life, I will do whatever God tells me to do. And that's, he told me to marry her. And it was a long, it was a long uh, process to get her because she, well, at the time she wasn't a member. And the, oh. well, the Lord told me that he would, he wanted her to be a wife for me. The Lord, Lord told me. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not so sure this is true or not. And so I just followed the spirit the whole time. I was very, very careful with it because, you know, I'm, I don't want to do anything God tells me not to, or is against the Lord's will. And so I, I was just a friend to her and I preached the gospel to her and I talked to her a lot and you know others as well i talked to a lot of people i'm really talkative but as the years went on i mean i spent like two years talking to her and eventually she got baptized and then they all prayed about it and then the prophet got a revelation that she was supposed to be, be that i was supposed to be married to her so i'm like okay the prophet agrees <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not listening to the wrong source <laughs> and so multiple multiple sources you know it says two or three witnesses mm-hmm. by two or three witnesses so all things be established in corinthians and you know other places as well but and but with those second with those multiple witnesses she also had a witness of me my, uh the prophet i'm a witness of that i had a witness of it very happy and then you know now we're married and it's been a great run I how mean, many I'm, do you have any kids yet not yet i'm i'm a, you're working at i it, love bro. kids okay. i love kids we're going for it <laughs> awesome dude well hey thanks for sharing your story this is really cool and oh, yeah. uh you know maybe i'd like to maybe get your contact information you'd be somebody i'd like to maybe email and uh maybe okay. you know you could tell me about your journey as it uh, continues i'm actually currently publishing my journey i'm trying to get it all written down i have like a david patrick, david patrick is here how many pages is that david patrick like uh, 10 pages nine, nine or ten page page uh it's just my spiritual story it's a lot of my spiritual experiences and how it all turned out okay so, I mean, well, I do get to see that soon, maybe. Yeah, well, I do. I'm Mormon book reviews. I review books and have authors on. So when you get the uh, document completed, let me know. All righty. Sounds good. What was your name? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm Steve Pinecker, Mormon book reviews. Oh, yeah, I should. I have Mormon book reviews on the on the screen. I should probably have my name, but uh, yeah, I have more book reviews. Yeah. Have you seen my interview with Benjamin yet? I did a two two. Okay. You gotta watch the interview, dude. It's really good. I gotta watch the interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got. So, I'm talking to some of the biggest names in Mormonism across the board. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, my, my little channel is really taken off, and uh, this part. This is part of my journey as well. So. Well, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to meet y'all. Let's uh, line go. All right, dude. Stay around. Well, I came back. So what we have behind me is um, um, we've got David Sanders, David Patrick, and um and dan hatch now you asked specifically about david patrick you guys uh, you have a question for him perhaps oh let's uh, bring him down just because i know he's a busy guy maybe we could get him out of the way and you know <laughs> he has to get back I'm, I'm told he has several callings so if you yeah, got he's, so- busy. 
he's a busy busy man so if you have several callings well then uh you know you get to the front of the line dude how are you hi steve i'm really good uh, um so i'm familiar with you because i watched your interviews with uh, rick bennett on gospel tangents uh, right. also with ann wild um and so i'm a evangelical um who knows more about mormonism than he probably should and uh and uh and rick bennett is a good friend of mine i've been on gospel tangents myself so i have one of the uh printed uh uh you know printouts you know with my picture on it right. just like you guys do and um but i was really fascinated uh when you and benjamin appeared on uh, gospel tangents because um you know and i told benjamin too like i've been surprised uh at my interactions so far and my first interactions were just watching you uh with benjamin um what, why, why is that? What makes it a surprise to you, I guess? Well, because there is a certain stereotype that people have as outsiders of uh, fundamentalist Mormons. Now, right. unfortunately, the FLDS is the most prominent one. Uh, and of course, the reputation that they have is kind of sullied uh, many others, uh, I imagine. Yeah, the most negative press, right? Yep. But it stands out. Yep. And um, tell me a little bit about your journey. How did, uh, have you been? Uh, uh, were you former LDS and converted, or were you born in into uh, into what? Right. So I was um, I, I was former LDS, and I served a mission to the Japanese people. And then after coming back from my mission, um, my parents had already joined Christchurch, the branch, before I left on a mission, and um, and it was really transformational to watch them as a, a teenager. And one day my, my dad came home and he said, do you want to meet a prophet? And I'm like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? And he says, well, I, I'm going to invite a prophet to our house. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and as a teenager, I almost could care less. I'll be honest. Right. And I didn't know what really he meant. And he, uh, he ended up inviting over a man named Waldo Harris. And he was the Quorum of the Twelve um, president. And uh, so he wasn't the prophet of Christ Church, but he was uh, a prophet by our definition. And I met him, shook his hand, nice to meet you. And I went out to play ball. So that was about it. But then uh, later on, I watched the, the change that took place in my parents. And they all of a sudden just became better people um, because of their conversion and my mother was was raised LDS my dad had been raised LDS but he'd actually been excommunicated for um, actually just talking to people in the 1960s and 70s that were in the AUB the all right group as you you know what they are about and so just for associating with them he got excommunicated and uh, and so when I watched their transformation and then my own journey was I really want to go on a mission and I really wanted to serve um, the Lord and, and, and learn my own lessons. And so I did and they supported me and they're like, well, if you're going to go on a mission, go on a mission. And so I did. And then uh, every face in Japan was a new face. So I never met a, a, somebody I already knew. And so I had to learn how uh, as an introvert to reach out to new people. And, uh, and so I did. And coming back, I ended up going to college at Weber State. 
and my parents had moved to southern Utah where people congregated and I think you would you, you and Rick tried to come out and visit once and maybe come down and visit that location it just didn't work out I look forward to the day when that will work out by the yep, way me too me too and uh, and so they had moved down there and then eventually they said well why don't you you know meet brother Waldo Harris again and so I met him again and he just had an impact on me because why he said open the scriptures let's read this together oh why don't we turn to Isaiah and see what Isaiah had to say about our day and oh let's turn to Micah let's turn to these various scriptures and I'm like oh wow there really is a need to live the fullness of the gospel as as promulgated and restored by Joseph Smith that the modern LDS church is not living up to and I had to have my own decision, my own journey. And it took me a little while. It took me a, a bit of time because I was engaged in college life and, you know, dating girls and having a good time. And, you know, that was just the, you know, what does a 21 year old do after coming home off a mission? And, uh, but I kept getting haunted and I call it a haunting because it, it, it but it was a good haunting. Um, angels were saying, hey, David, why don't you read your scriptures? Why don't you open that up and reread that? And I don't think the devil really wants you to open scriptures. I think, I think it's only the good side that really wants people to crack open the scriptures and read the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And so I did, and it convinced me that I needed to do more about it. So I did ultimately join Christ Church just in my early 20s. And um, I dated a girl and I, I had said to her, hey, um, this is the direction I'm going. Would you like to be introduced to it as well and learn more about it? And she said, OK. And so she was baptized and we were immediately married. Uh, didn't go over really well with her parents. And, uh, you know, but to, to this day, we have a great relationship with her family. Uh, because we just kept showing up to family events. Instead of being the black sheep of the family that married out of the religion, we just kept showing up. And now we're really well integrated with that family. And, you know, everybody loves each other and it, it's, it's a good experience. So, all right, I'll stop there and you can field any other questions so, to me. Um, obviously, um, Benjamin is saying that you have many callings in the church. What is your uh, role that you play in Christchurch? Yeah, I am an apostle, and I was called to be the president of the Quorum of the Twelve, and then I also am a mission president to our our mission efforts. And so the young missionaries that are full time missionaries um, contact me all the time, uh, daily almost, and just give me reports on what they're working on, and I share with them things that, and people to go see and. Um, uh, and other members. We have a very active membership that does missionary work. And so our prophet has asked our people to come out once a quarter and do missionary work, husbands and wives together. And so we get a chance to have them come in to um, go to events or go to visit new people all the time. And so I'm coordinating that uh, heavily. Do you do a lot of door to door? Is it mostly event oriented? mostly event oriented but we when when there's downtime we will knock on doors yes so there's now nothing else to do they're no longer doing the manti uh pageant uh, so i know that must have been a bummer <laughs> for you guys 
Yeah, we, we did like that. I do remember the time when you were just talking to Derek and I do remember the time after he had had, had his, his, his born again experience. And I couldn't, I couldn't quiet him down. He was just telling me, David, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. And he was just going all over about how he had just awakened to, because he stayed up that night reading the scriptures and it all started to fall into place and he understood. And, and maybe, maybe um, it made an impact on somebody that he talked to. I bet it did. I bet they, I bet they had a question about the faith that, that Joseph Smith stood for and died for. Uh, I certainly am moved by it. So it's interesting to me as an evangelical to hear the term born again, coming from somebody from, uh, from a Mormon, that's often a foreign phrase. What does mean, what does it mean to you when you say born again? Yeah. Well, when, when it, it's, um, I definitely believe that everyone has to have their own conversion. And we, we definitely say, you know, put Christ in your life. Christ is the center of the gospel. And, and, and that those are all really important. But to be born again is really a change of your heart. And it's something that happens that makes you now a believer, a true believer. Um, you are, you're not the same after being born again, in my opinion. Um, the, in the Book of Mormon, in Alma chapter 5, it talks about this. And so it's not a foreign concept to Mormons, though we don't use the term born again very often. But, um, but having his image in our countenance is another way of looking at it. And, oh, do you have Christ's image in your countenance? Well, yeah. In fact, when I was a youth, I remember, I remember watching as missionaries would come back from the mission field. And I, I'd look in their eyes. And I'm like, they're different than when they left. There's something different about them. And so many of them, I believe, in doing their missionary work, became born again, just like Derek did. And um, I think in the evangelical uh, world, when people go and start to serve, whether it's locally or far away or other countries and they come back changed. I think people can see that in their countenance. And I believe that is also being born again. Yeah, that's uh, that's a term in the countenance. Uh, that's kind of a, a Mormon term. That's not something that we use in our mm -hmm. movement. So that's just now most of my audience is LDS and Community of Christ and uh, many other groups. Um, that's the audience we're primarily talking to. Now I'm starting to get evangelicals to watch the program too so sometimes i feel like i have to explain things now and then but typically i don't um right uh so uh what are your goals like as mission president uh, what what is a successful year or uh, like do you have particular numbers or goals i mean how what what, what how does this work to uh, say we had a successful this year this year in our uh with our proselytizing efforts right so we we certainly are not putting actually any numbers on the whiteboard and and and, and expecting to hit you know this x x number that's not really our our approach um so many i i've had um questions that have come up about quantity of membership versus quality of membership and we really definitely want to find people that um, also want to live the fullness of the gospel. And that's not just part of the gospel. It's the full thing. It's the whole thing. And um, that's our goal is really to find people whose hearts are set upon living the full gospel. 
And for us, of course, by our definition, of course, that means a full temple endowment. That means um, a full temple, I shouldn't just stop there. I should say a full temple endowment includes all of the things that were taught, um, mostly done, coordinated by Brigham Young to standardize, which he was called to do, and to standardize and then keep, keep in perpetual um, motion for eternity. But of course, the LDS Church has chopped that down since the 80s, and, um, and, but we believe in keeping that in its full and pristine form. And, I have a question, and if, you're, if you don't want to answer it, that's fine, but I was just wondering, do you guys, the, the temple garments you wear, do you wear the version that was Brigham Young would have worn, or do you wear the modern version? The, the one that Brigham Young okay. would have worn. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you, you definitely yeah, want so to make sure... So, yeah, and we, we feel like that, that gives us extra power against uh, the powers of darkness in, in this life. And we need them, man. We need them, right? So that we think that's really important and really valuable. And we actually set people apart to a calling to help make those garments. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, some people can make their own. And if they're that talented, that's fine. But other people have the talent and they're set apart to to do that so off camera beforehand i was talking to benjamin and by the way if there's any if you need to go you know i don't want to take any more of your time or if there's people lined up but um i i know that you guys use the lds version of the book of mormon um mm -hmm. have you guys have any thoughts about printing your own uh, books of mormon or scripture or what, what's the long-term uh, view on that well uh, that's a pretty pretty big project and um we don't really have the numbers to probably support that at the moment but to add to the canon of scripture um, with revelations, I think that's, that's definitely a foregone conclusion for the future, though I have no dates and times to tell you. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and, and, and Benjamin and I did talk about your, I guess you'd call it ex, ex, expansive canon uh, as, mm -hmm. as compared to, um, I guess, the mother church, uh, as, as uh, I was, it was right. referred to earlier. Um, what, is your, what, do you view, what is your view of uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Uh, do you feel like they still do a good work, that they are a positive good for society? I definitely think that. I think there's, um, I think there's, uh, well, we, we definitely believe that uh, people are of the house of Israel. And, the, and if we wanted to go deeper into that scripturally, we would look that many people have received patriarchal blessings and they're, many of them are of the house of Ephraim. And there's responsibilities for that house of Ephraim in the last days. And that, those are the Latter-day Saints. And we're just saying, hey, let's live up to the standard that was set for us in the Book of Mormon, in the, in the Bible, and, um, and live up to those things. So yeah, absolutely. We love our, our Latter-day Saint brothers and sisters. Lots and lots of great historians are doing fabulous works. Um, um, that we wouldn't otherwise get a hold of. And honestly, I think there's, personally, I think there's a big disconnect between historical work and the lay person hearing about that work. And I think there's a huge disconnect there. And even as somebody who's interested in it, I feel disconnected from all the work that's been done. And so a podcast like yours bringing to light these things, I think is hugely valuable. So uh, do you guys use wine in your communion service or water? We use water, um, but we also will use grape juice okay. as well. Now, you guys don't, in, in, 
you have a different view of the word of wisdom than the uh, Utah branch or, or the mother church. Um, you, coffee and beer and wine, are these permissible in your movement? No. Oh, you guys don't? Okay, so you can drink, you can't drink coffee. That, that's right. Um, oh, the, that's the, interesting. The idea more is, is the chemicals that are inside of, of drinks. Okay. Like caffeinated beverages tend to have an effect upon people. And so we try and reduce the number of, of things that are going to create any kind of addiction. Okay. And um, I don't want to go so far as to say coffee makes an addiction, but you can say that many, many people would say, I can't start the day without a cup of coffee. Well, right? I'm talking so, to one right now. So, so, <laughs> so you know, same thing. I mean, things in moderation, the, the word of wisdom really is about being smart, being wise, right? About your okay. dietary okay. habits. So, well, this is unusual. Most from my understanding, and I could be, correct me if I'm wrong, but from many fundamentalist groups don't really use the word of wisdom. They're disconnected from it. And, but your group, basically still practices the word of wisdom which kind of makes you unique from my understanding is that correct i i would i'm i hard for me to compare us with other fundamentalist groups but i would think they want to keep the word of wisdom oh but <laughs> okay but i've heard i've heard i, I well it's a, it's a definitely, world. <laughs> definitely some of them definitely drink plenty of alcohol and yeah you know yeah. do coffee that's for sure um there's no doubt about that Okay. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So uh, now this one thing that makes your group very unique is that you actually send missionaries to Sunstone. Yes. And, uh, and other places too, but um, yeah, we like going to Sunstone and we've built a relationship with them and um, we, we love it. We actually enjoy going to that and we actually like to do presentations there, which um, that's how I met Rick Bennett who you did gospel to you're good i guess you're good friends with rick in fact oh yeah, yeah. so uh yeah he was the moderator when i gave a, a presentation on the michael adam god doctrine the first time and then a year later we did that podcast okay yeah so that was great just watching you guys and then you have an ann wild on and stuff like that and just hearing all these different stories i i had a different view of fundamentalism at least in the context of your group after watching the gospel tangents. And then I just happened to be in Utah a few weeks ago and we're at a conference and I recognized Benjamin and I said, were you on uh, gospel oh, tangents? Oh. And he's like, yeah. And then of course there's some LDS people mulling around. So he's like, well, I'm not there in that capacity. I said, that's okay. And then we start talking, then they move away. And I said, okay, now let's start. <laughs> let's start talking. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we had our own little secret you know compact yeah, with each other yeah, from right. the beginning <laughs> and um so that's that's how i was able to recognize him and of course i i i met uh, ogden kraut's son there as well he was at the same conference so i'm gonna have him come on and talk about the dream mine uh, bishop coyle's dream mine i figured that's an interesting story under uh, undertold story within the restoration whether you agree with it or disagree with it right. um and um so uh, it's just kind of fun talking with guys. And, and you know, it's, I was telling Benjamin earlier, I, I have a friend who's a minister and he's a captain in the Salvation Army. And he and, and, and his role is as a pastor. He's a, he's a pastor. And he told me, he said, you know, as a pastor, I was very challenged by a lot of stuff that Benjamin was saying. And he also said that he was completely unexpected what he saw. He had an idea in his mind of what it was. And then when he actually, start, Benjamin starts opening his, his mouth, 180 you know, mm -hmm. total 180. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people need to understand that when they see the caricatures on television um, of like FLDS or even some of those um, pro other programs, um, these are human beings and they're not the devil. Uh, they're not the boogeyman. Um, they, they, they're just like you and me in so many ways. And I think it's so important that rather than be intolerant or uh, not to prejudge people, that that's part of the reason why this country is such a mess, man, right? Is that mm-hmm. it's, I'd say, let's just have these conversations and talk with each other. Um, do you have any words you'd like to share with my audience? Well, you said your audience is a, a lot of Latter-day Saints, right? Mm-hmm. Community of and Christ and other, Christ. a lot of other branches. Yeah. And then uh, other branches, the Restoration. The Church of Jesus a, Christ. I have a big following with them, too. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I, I, by the time this maybe airs, uh, we will have had an event in Missouri on November 13th and 14th and of 2021 where we're doing um, a restoration summit. So that's gonna be in Independence, Missouri. And so I'm gonna be talking about the, the, the way the priesthood keys followed in, uh, along and how it came to us as being responsible for, for those priesthood keys. And so I don't know when you're going to actually air this or 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 not. Yeah, but, I'm not sure yet when. Yeah, but, but so that's what, something that's going to happen. And, and who's so, who's are you inviting other groups to this or is this? How, yeah, I, we were invited to be part of it. Actually, was it Patrick McKay that invited you or? Patrick is invited also, but he wasn't the one that put it together. Um, uh, Jeff Foley, okay, put it together, and um, and then uh, there's lots of different churches of the Restoration coming to that event. Uh, Patrick's going to be a speaker okay. as well. Uh, he was there earlier this year. There was one as well. And we went to that, but we were not a speaker, but we'll be speaking at that. Okay. That's interesting. So we, oh, okay. We, that's right. Patrick was telling me about, he went to it earlier this year. Yeah. So just so you know, yeah. I, Patrick had a, a Book of Mormon rally in yeah. Independence and I was one of the speakers at that. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so I have that uh, connection with Patrick that I'm very close to him and um Actually, he had a, a service in his basement, and uh, I came a little late, um, and I came and sit down there, and he had me do the closing prayer for a restoration service. Uh, I don't think nice. there's been too many evangelicals have done closing prayers in <laughs> <laughs> restoration <Yeah>. meetings. <laughs> well, anyway, in, in closing, um, I would just say that the, the opportunity to, to represent um, Jesus Christ in the latter days, he, he lives. I know that he lives. I know that he knows who you are. I know that he knows who I am. I know he cares about us. I know he's absolutely the Prince of Peace. And uh, leave that testimony with you. Okay. Well, very interesting. Uh, if, I, if this does air beforehand, of course, that'd be in November 13th and 14th uh, in Independence, Missouri. I'm so, are you going to have anybody at the Thrive Conference? Are you sending any miss- missionaries to uh, the 14th? They're having like a big Thrive event. Uh, do, you, do you send people out to that one? Where's that at? Uh, well, John DeLynn's putting it on. It's November 14th. It's in Utah some, somewhere. Oh, you know what? We hadn't, we it hadn't come up. So maybe, maybe not. Okay. John DeLynn is really not very uh, pro-Mormon. Oh, so. no. Uh, yeah, I know. But I, I know you guys aren't afraid to go out, uh, butt heads with us evangelicals. So <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. And, and we, we're not so much that we want to argue or anything I like got that. It. Yeah. But we'd rather defend the faith than anything. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, thank you for reminding me that well, I'm going to consider that. Thank okay. you. Okay. Great, dude. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah.
Good to okay. meet you, Steve. Good, good meeting you too. So folks, this is just interesting. They're just lining these people up and I'm gonna ask them questions and uh, this is really fun. So, uh, okay, somebody's about to pull up and uh, yep, tell me your name. I am. Well, my name is Dan Hatch. Dan, welcome to- Worth pointing out that um, Ann Hatch, you had Ann Hatch on earlier. So this yeah. is Dan, her husband. Yeah, that's my better half. Okay. The smart one. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, uh, the matron of the temple you're married to, what's that feel like? Well, hey, I'm I'm privileged to be able to work with her. Um, <laughs> I'm also the temple president myself. Oh, yeah, so, of course. Yeah. So, and that's actually one of the things that wasn't mentioned. David Patrick is a temple president as well. Okay. So, just in case you were wondering. Um, I imagine it's an honor for you to be the temple president. Absolutely. I have learned so much by occupying that position and, and helping others and everything. That's been one of the greatest blessings of my life. Um, how often do they do uh, conduct the temple ceremonies? Well, we do that uh, once a month, usually the, the second weekend of, of every month is when we try. And then if there's a conflict with something, but we'll have a, have a session usually once a month. And of course, during COVID, that was difficult. We mm -hmm. had to spend several months without a temple session. Um, how did it feel like to you not being able to participate in the temple for that extended period of time? Well, for myself personally, and then feeling the, the, the feelings of others all the way around, we all missed it. I mean, we yearned for the temple. We yearned to be able to go back to a session. This was probably, like I said, this is one of the times that we get together as a people and we're able to focus. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very important learning experience for everyone there. And then of course, especially when new people go through the, the temple and take out their endowments for the first time. And then especially those that were LDS and, and are able now to see how the endowment really works and how much has been lost over the years. Wow, that's interesting. So um, were you raised LDS or were? Yeah, I, I could say yes and no. Okay. When I was a small boy, I was a Southern Baptist. Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. And then uh, my father, he converted to the LDS church. And when I was 15, I converted to the LDS church, went on an LDS mission, and then came back. Now, what about that. your mother? Did she convert or was she around? No, she was not. My mother and father, they, they were separated uh, when I was about six years old. So you, you attended the Baptist church. Where, where was this at? That was in Garden Grove, California. So was it a Southern Baptist or a regular Baptist? Yes. Okay. No, it was Southern Baptist. So did you um, have a born-again experience? Did you ask Jesus into your heart as a child? You know, to be absolutely honest, I don't remember that as strongly. I do remember being baptized, and I remember my sister being baptized, and she was like three and a half years older than I was. But it wasn't a major experience to me as it was when I was actually converted and, and really was allowed to understand what it was to actually become a Mormon. Because my mother actually, she made me promise her I wasn't gonna become a Mormon until I turned 21 years of age. Well, I broke that promise. And I became a Mormon when I was 15. I was disowned by my mother 
until she realized that Mormons weren't all that bad. She thought we were all conscientious objectors and grew horns, et cetera. But hmm. wasn't quite the case. So did you reconcile with your mother? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, the reconciliation came when she got a letter from the United States Marine Corps saying your son's about ready to graduate uh, United States Marine Corps. Well, that was a big family tradition in my family, being serving in the, the armed forces and especially the Marine Corps. That was a great thing. So my mother shows up and my grandparents and my sister, even though they didn't care much for Mormons at the time, but they realized that... Uh, or I should say my mother realized that her son didn't turn out too bad because, I mean, I got meritorious promotions and everything else all the way up through the ranks. And she realized that me being a Mormon was not a bad thing at all. Interesting. So then you, how long were you uh, part of the LDS church? And then what led you down this path? What led me down this path was shortly after I returned from my LDS mission, and I went to the Geneva, Switzerland mission. Um, what I noticed was, is after I came back, is that there was a loss of priesthood power and authority in the LDS church, and I could not put my finger on it. I couldn't figure out why. There were more and more men that were called basically as administrators, but not inspired. They were just what I, what I affectionately term as suits. They were businessmen, and that's mostly what they have today. And I'm not saying that the LDS church is bad because they're doing a great work as far as getting the, the knowledge out about the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith, things like that, which is extremely important. But uh, I noticed the big, great difference as far as the, the priesthood and things like that. And so when, what, give me the time frame of when, about what, when did you decide to join? Um, did you go right to, to the branch or to? Yeah, absolutely not. No, okay. I, di I didn't. I kept attending church, even though I knew there was something out of place and was wrong. I noticed that they kept taking things away from the temple endowment. And I remember when the first time I went through the, the temple, I was told we're supposed to learn more each time we go to the temple. Well, I took that to heart, but then I'm noticing all the things they took away and they kept taking away constantly. And I'm going, well, this can't be right. But uh, it wasn't until about, I don't know, 15 years ago when I became a member of the branch. And what did, what did, what happened to you uh, when you, were baptized or converted, did you notice any change or uh, how, how was, what happened to well, you when that all happened? Okay, this, what I noticed was, is um, I learned at a young age to depend upon what the spirit tells me, okay? And some, some people will call it the still small voice. Well, for me, usually when the spirit talks to me, it's not in a still small voice. It can be very loud and very clear and very well understood. And I learned that at a young age, even in the LDS church, and then being on my mission. And well, what had happened was, is I was, uh, I just remarried Anne at the time, or, and we were starting on our journey together. And I got a phone call from someone. And during the phone call, 
she's talking to me and, and I'm just listening. But then the spirit told me, said, yes, you need to go to this person's house. You need, need to listen and you will learn and find what you're looking for. And so I did. And yes, I did. I did find what I was looking for. I found the priesthood once again. I found men that are honorable. I found the power of the priesthood and the signs of the priesthood. And I found the things that I knew the LDS church was, had lost and was missing. And then at that very moment, I realized this is the direction I need to go. Wow. And uh, so then you joined this new body. And uh, what was it like? Was there a culture shock? Did you feel at home right away? Well, I felt at home in my spirit, in my heart, which was the most important thing. I try to follow the spirit whenever I can. I didn't join instantly. And I, I tried to get my wife, Anne, involved with that. And at first she goes, nah, hang on. I'm going, what? And she goes, well, you understand those people uh, live polygamy. And I go, no, they don't. <laughs> she goes, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> and I'm going, no, you're kidding. So, because the honest truth was, if, if I had actually had thought about I'm looking at something that was fundamentalist. I, the instant thought was, yeah, it's the FLDS or something. I would have been putting up the, the cross and going, oh, no way. I'm not getting involved with that. However, the spirit told me something different. And so I found it interesting that, okay, what I realized was this. If the priesthood is there and these are the men that hold the priesthood, then anything else that follows would be correct if, if, if the spirit dictates that. And I'm going, okay. So it took a little while and, and she, she was reluctant at first. And then I talked her into going to a, a solemn assembly uh, and we both went. We hadn't been baptized, but we both got baptized on the same time. And I remember being baptized and coming out of the water and a peaceful sensation fell upon me. It wasn't some great, you know, the, the heavens parted and there was angels singing and everything else, but it was peace and knowing and having that peaceful knowing and understanding. And from that moment on, we realized something. Then later on, after the solemn assembly, we're driving home from from uh, Reno, and we're headed back to Idaho. And her and I both noticed something extremely different about our bodies and, and how it was reacting from the whole experience. And what that was is we felt a vibration. And we talked about that for a while. And we realized what that was is our spiritual vibrations were raised from that moment. And we had an understanding and knew what that was at that point afterwards. And when we talked about it and we we're thinking, wow, why is, why is our body and our heart and our, and our body feel like it's just vibrating at a higher level? Well, it was explained to us and we thought, okay, that makes perfect sense. Hmm. Wow, this is really cool. Um, you know, so my audience is largely uh, members of various branches of the restoration. I do have some evangelical uh, viewers, mostly who are just interested and somewhat knowledgeable of the restoration. Um, what would, do you have any message for my audience that you'd like to share? 
a message for your audience? Yeah, any parting words? Well, parting words. Um, if you listen to the spirit, listen to your heart, don't listen to your mind because your mind is full of clutter. As there's a scripture that the Lord talks about, I will come at a time when ye think not. Most people take that the wrong way. They think, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to come when you're not expecting it. That's not it. I'll come at a time when you think not. Empty your mind, open your heart. And when you feel the spirit, that's the direction you go. You be guided by what your heart tells you, not what your head tells you. And that would probably be one of the messages I would pass. Because even in the temple, we learn that the temple is where we're there to learn. And it's the heart of the people that's in the temple that matters the most. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I just have a quick question. What's your favorite story in the Book of Mormon? My favorite story. Gosh, I don't know if I really have a favorite story. Favorite Bible story? Oh, no. Actually, I'll take that back. I do. And it's about Alma. Alma, when he uh, came across Abinadi. And Abinadi was preaching. And the story that I, I learned and understood from it was I used to study a lot of Isaiah and understanding covenant blessings and covenant curses. And Alma was still under a covenant curse because he was living around the wicked King Noah at the time. And he was one of those priests and such at the time. But when he converted, and then he took the people with him. Those people were living in wickedness as well. Yes, they were baptized. Yes, they were moving on. Well, then all of a sudden, then the Lamanites came across and they were captured. Well, being captured was part of the covenant curse for living in wickedness. However, they had a delivery. And the delivery was is that they were able to escape from that. And that was the blessing of the Lord being involved in that, that Jesus Christ's blessing fell upon those people. And so they were able to walk out and escape from their captors at that time. And that was actually one of my favorite stories because it makes us learn that, you know, we're still accountable for our actions, no matter what we do. But if we are willing to repent and change our lives, there is the escape clause which Brother Benjamin would probably know real well about writing those in, in contracts. But that's probably one of the greatest contract I think the Lord has to give us. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. You're very welcome, Steve. And, and I, I have watched, uh, I think, a podcast or two of yours, and I do enjoy you. And I've watched some with Rick Bennett. My wife gets me into that from time to time. Yeah, thank thanks, dude. All right. Wow, that's cool. Bye. Oh, all right, man. Hey, Benjamin, this is uh, well, really cool. Yeah, there's just been so many people who want to come and chat, and I, um, and I hope that you have a little bit more time. Um, I'm actually gonna make you wait a little longer, Dave. Sorry. Okay. I've got I've got a young woman here who has heard about it, and she's like, I want to turn. So okay. here's Alana Jensen. A Jensen. No, that's uh, I'm talking to a Jensen. That's uh, that's a big Hi. name out there. Probably is. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, first of all, just uh, uh, can I ask you how old you are? I'm 17. 17. So are you graduated from high school yet? Nope, almost. I'm almost, I have three subjects left and then I have my high school electives. So do you, uh, are you involved in high school sports or activities uh, at all? I'm homeschooled. 
I oh, do awesome. Penn Foster. Okay. And so do you, do you have like a, like a group of um, people that you also study with or just study at home alone most of the time? Uh, normally I study with uh, my best friend, Marissa, but she <laughs> finished school last week. So I'm by myself now. Oh, you're by yourself now. What's that like? Uh, being by myself. Yeah. And studying. Yeah. You must miss her. Uh, I've been doing school a lot more because I want to be done too. So I don't have to do school by myself no more. <laughs> Got it. So are you, you have plans to go to college? Uh, I haven't decided yet. Okay. And, uh, so if you didn't go to college, what, what would you do? I would probably turn my name in. Tur turn your name in? Uh, uh, thinking about getting married. Oh, Understood. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Um, so do you feel like at the age of 17, 18, uh, you'd have to be 18, I think, to get married, right? And uh, do you feel you'd be ready to get married at that age? No. Okay, so you're going to school, aren't you? <laughs> I was thinking about working. Okay. Earning money. Yeah, I think that's smart. Make some money, get independent, maybe get your own apartment or something, you know? That's something you would do normally, or is that in the plans? Or it's oh. in working progress. Okay, so what I can say. Um, what's it like going to a church that a lot of people don't really know a whole lot about or understand? Uh, I would say it's weird because I grew up in this church. Mm -hmm. So just going over, let's say I went to Sunstone like two years ago and all these other churches are talking about what they believe in and I'm like cool this is what I believe and so you're you're 15 years old and you're telling people what you believe what what how did that go people looked at me it was so weird they're like how old are you again I was like I'm 15 it's like I'm Alana it's like nice to meet you uh this is what I believe in and this is what I know of it it's like here you go. And they're like, okay, so this is why I'm like, okay, you can believe in what you believe in. I can believe what I believe in two separate things. Okay. Well, live and let live. Right. Yeah. So, um, oh man, let's see. Uh, what do you think about the world that we live in now? I mean, you're 17 years old and you're entering into the world. What, what are your thoughts on it? I'm kind of scared to be honest yeah. to enter the world and be like, oh, I'm darn it. Now I have to pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. I, uh, Benjamin, I think we got a, a future libertarian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, that's awesome. So, um, okay, let's see now. Are you allowed to date or how does that work? Uh, I'm not allowed to date. Okay. And like television programs, what kind of program are you allowed to like watch rated R movies or PG or how uh, does that go? Uh, my parents, like every family's different. Like my parents, my mom doesn't watch TVMA. She watches some R. She's like, okay, I'm going to watch you this, show you this R rated show. Don't tell your father. Is <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> what about social media? <laughs> my dad would find about this. Social media. I'm not allowed to have social media on my phone or go on any social media, to be honest. Okay. And only what, because my mom preferences it. Like some parents would be like, oh, yeah, you can have uh, Instagram, TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing but video and phone calls on my phone and music. I can listen to music. I really like music. 
will they let, what I, will, what? They let, will they let you subscribe to Mormon book reviews on YouTube, my channel? I can't have YouTube on my phone either. They can't even have. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they can make an exception. I don't know. Just thinking. Um, so I'll talk to them about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll be talking to all the restoration people you were talking to at Sunstone. Um, so, do you feel like you're missing out by not being uh, involved with social media? No. Hmm. Not at all. That's interesting. Do you feel maybe it's actually better that you're not doing it then? Probably. Uh, Why? Why? Why is it better? Why is it better? I have no clue to say. <laughs> okay. Well, you show me piece of paper and I have no clue how to word this. Okay. Okay. So this is, hey, this is, we're having fun here, folks. This is mm -hmm. not live, but it's got that live feel, that live vibe to it. Um, so if you were uh, talking to younger people in my audience who are LDS, what LDS. would you say to them? What would be your words to them? I got to think about this real quick. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that there are other churches out there and that instead of staying where you at, where you're at, it's good to go and look around to see what the spirit or what, how you pray and see what you get the feedback of and which one you feel, not what other people tell you, but what you feel is the right church. Now, have you done that yourself? Uh, yeah. You've gone to other churches and felt the spirit uh, or didn't? I've looked up upon it. Like I've read up on what they believe in and what they tell about how they do certain things. And I, it, it might sound a little biased since I've been raised in this church, but I feel like this one just kind of makes me feel happier. Well, that's understandable. So, you, so you're happy to be in the church, and you're happy not to be on social media. Um, you can't wait to uh, graduate from high school. Um, and uh, would you say basically you've had a, a good life so far? I would say yeah, but all lives have their roughs and edges to yeah. it. So, and and you know, and you you feel that your parents love you, and they've created a great environment for you. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Like some stories I've heard about what happens out there, and I'm like, <sighs> so you're grateful to be where you're at. Yeah. Maybe tell a little bit about what uh, you play. I play volleyball. Oh, you play volleyball? <laughs> okay, you see. Okay, so now do you play like a, on a volleyball team, uh, like uh, with other homeschoolers? How does this work? Uh, a bunch of us out here. Uh, we we normally do fourteen on up go out into a court in the dirt we made and we play volleyball it's okay. it we have a texting group and we text on sunny days cold days rainy days and every day play volleyball <laughs> okay so basically you just the, you, work parties. Doesn't work. do you know what work parties are what what are work parties a work party um trying to think of the context no i'm not sure what that is uh, so uh normally every saturday uh we get together and we work on projects uh uh recently we gathered a bunch of wood and we are cutting up wood and delivering it to people out here so they have enough wood for the winter uh we also have been canning a lot and cleaning up like we can and bottle foods for the harder times 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so were you in the Relief Society meeting tonight? Today? Yes, yeah. I was. And so what's it like to be in a Relief Society meeting as a 17-year-old? Uh, I sit there and I listen and I shake my head, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I make comments, I make comments, and then I feel real proud of myself when I get them correct because that happens. I was like, yeah. Uh, but hey, yeah. Benjamin, why do I have a feeling I'm talking to a future Relief Society president? Oh, I hope so. Really? So, so you know, <laughs> she, she was like, I'm so proud of myself when I know the answers, right? <laughs> what did you have to tell us? What were they talking about? Uh, they're talking about marriage, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. They're talking about uh, how, hold on, I got word this correctly. How, uh, uh, how the difference between worldly and non-worldly, like our church, differs between uh, and marriage marriages like uh because when we pray and we get the saying oh this is who god wants you to marry we were like okay this is who i'm meant to be with this is who i'm supposed to be with and out there you're just falling in love randomly heartbroken hundred times and you just that and so you know uh in normally it's because when I'm gay married and I have a testimony about who I'm marrying. I'll be like, okay, I know this is who I'm supposed to marry and it's going to be forever. Like I'm in this and I'm in it all the way. Not going to give up. So you're committed. Different culture. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm committed. All right. Wow. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. This you're is welcome. awesome. I'm talking to every demographic in your church, dude. That, that's the idea, right? Is to get yeah. somebody for, for demographic. Thank you again for coming on. You're great today. Thanks. David. Now this guy, he's been uh, sitting back there for a while. This is David Sanders. He's been very patient. He's been very patient. Uh, I don't, I, I gotta, I, you're somebody that I gotta stay on uh, your good side, man. I don't want to be yeah. your enemy. <laughs> I'm a teddy bear. Don't sweat it. <laughs> all that, all that big stuff you saw, that's just table muscle, my man. That's just going back for seconds when I should stop. <laughs> well, so tell me a little bit about your story. Well, I just recently joined Christchurch back in July, late July of this year. Okay, so are you the newest convert in the church? No, no, no. Actually, no. Janine, Janine joined. Uh, just a couple probably oh, weeks really? after yeah okay and weeks after i did you were but, raised lds um no so okay. i was uh i was not born into any religion my mom was a was a uh, non-practicing catholic my dad was a baptist um so there was just a lot of talking about god and religion but there was never any real um oh substance there as far as religion it was all more spirituality than it was was religion and i met my wife who um at the time was an inactive member of the lds church and uh she said hey i'm gonna try to take our kids to church once a month are you okay with that and i'm like you know what i've known plenty of mormons they're great designated drivers i have no issues with this let's just you know I, i'm fine she said well do you want to learn more about what mormonism is and i said absolutely not 
have no interest. And she kind of was like, it'd mean a lot to me. It'd mean a lot to my mom. And I was like, okay. So I ended up joining the LDS church back in 1995. Wow. And so you joined in 1995 and now you are the, one of the newest converts of uh, the branch. Tell me a little bit about what got you there. I, I know we don't have a lot of time. I'm more than willing to talk about it. So I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the real brief version. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife and I had a brush with fundam- fundamentalism back in 2008. And um, it caused me to really start doing my own research into church history, right? Diving deep. And as you start to dive deep in, in the age of the internet, you're going to find a lot of stuff right? You're going to find stuff about Adam God. You're going to find stuff about temple changes. You're going to find stuff about, you know, a potential broken line of priesthood authority in the LDS church from 1929 to 1951. So that all throws stuff into the mix and kind of get your gears going, so to speak. And so as that begins to happen, uh, our, our life circumstances change. And like I said, I'm more willing to talk about this more, but I, I know we're trying to keep it brief here for you. As, as as the life circumstances change, and I kind of, me and my wife kind of take a step back from that, and I think, okay, I'm just going to go back to the LDS church and forget everything I ever learned in, in diving into fundamentalism. The problem with that theory is, is that once you know, you know, and as much as you try to turn it off and just sit in the pew and kind of be left to yourself so to speak it just doesn't work because it grates on you a little bit right and so there came a point back during the pandemic when i'd heard that more temple changes were had happened were on the way that i was i was like i i felt like we were getting to a point to where i was concerned we were more mocking god than we were serving him in the mainstream lds temples which caused me to just start searching and in my search i you know you look up the big ones, right? You, you see the AUB and, and you see Centennial Park. And I just happened to bump into something about Christ Church. And I talked to Benjamin and uh, David Patrick, and they were gracious enough to talk with me for hours, right? And I then they said, let's send the missionaries out to you. So this was when kind of the restrictions were lifting with COVID a little bit. And the missionaries came out and I kind of interviewed them because I knew I, I'd, I'd went you know, dive, I dove into fundamentalism enough, I understood what I was looking for, right? Um, and as I kind of interviewed them, I'm like, do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You know, just really grilled them. I, I felt bad for the poor kids. And uh, if they didn't know something, they were, they were great in a sense. And, and this is what really started to make me feel like this could be it because if they didn't know something they didn't try to hide it they didn't try to gloss me or whatever they just said you know what i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna ask and we'll we'll talk, cover this again so it basically was that that really th- made me think okay these guys are honest right they're not they're not out here um just peddling wares so to speak this is something that they believe in and they're willing to listen and so as, as we, we talked deeper about it, um, me and my wife had an experience as we were talking about, you know, uh, should, we, should we do this? Should we not? And we prayed about it very sincerely. And we had a pretty profound spiritual experience, which 
um, really confirmed to us that Christ Church was was where the fullness of the gospel was at, where the priesthood authority was at, where um, revelation was still flowing, where we could receive all the ordinances in the Lord's house, and not just the ones that had been selected for uh, the mainstream LDS church. So that was really how we got to where where we are now. Hmm. And also next week, um, we're, we're We'll be going to uh, go through the temple for our first time in Christ Church. So we're super excited about that. I mean, can't it feels like the culmination of of years of searching and and wondering. Well, let me just ask you, what what would you say to somebody? Say, oh, he's just is joining just because he wants to practice polygamy. I get the sense that that wasn't a motivation for you. No, 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 it wasn't. Um, Look, plural marriage is definitely a true principle, right? I'm not saying it's not, but I can be happy without it and be happy with it. What I'm more concerned about are is doing the will of the Lord, being where the Lord wants me, and then receiving the blessings that the Lord has for me. So this idea of I'm doing it just to live plural marriage, nothing could, nothing could be farther from the truth for me. I don't know what happens in other groups. I mean, I was content to go until I discovered Christ Church. I was content to be an independent Mormon fundamentalist. The problem with that is, is the more I dug into the scriptures, I realized that part of, you know, a big reason for the Lord restoring the church was to bring forth the Zion. Well, you can't really do that. As a lone ranger. As a lone ranger, right? You, You have to gather with people. You have to work with people. And also there's a certain refinement that comes along with that. So while, while definitely plural marriage is, is a true principle, that wasn't my motivating factor. My motivating factor was doing what the Lord wanted me to do. Wow. Oh, very interesting. So, um, man, I, 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 my mind can go so many different directions on here. It was so fascinating talking to you guys. Um, and like I said, I gave you a real short condensed yeah. version and because and, I know Benjamin's trying to <laughs> trying to keep it yeah well you know what let me let me just uh you know so you're one of the most recent converts to uh, um yeah why don't you share with my audience um some final words maybe something you'd want to impart to them i would want to impart to them the idea that that god is a personal god that he is not a god that is distant that if you seek him he will answer um if he answers a guy like me that has as many flaws as I do, I know he'll answer anybody else. So in whatever search they're looking for, get on your knees, humble yourself and ask your father in heaven, knock and it will be open. I, I can bear testimony to that over and over and over again. Um, and be humble enough to receive the answer and then act upon it, I think is the other Um I've certainly made my share of mistakes about asking for things and then being like, well, that can't be the right, <laughs> the right answer. Sometimes we have to be humble enough to accept whatever it is that's given. Oh, well, man, uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, I am so impressed with the group that has been presented to me and, uh, you know, thank you. I mean, Benjamin, this is really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Appreciate Fun. it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, send me some send me some dinner. All right. So it's, <laughs> so, it's, anyways, yeah, I um, 
this was it was it was very informal. I really it's just people who were passing by who said, "Oh, I want to do that," yeah, or hey, "I want to say right. something." Um, so I just roped in people at random, and so I hope that we cover the demographics, like you said. We okay. did. Now I still have this long list, uh, Benjamin. I think we're going to have to do another one <laughs> because well, it's nine forty-five here in the East Coast, and uh, ooh, that's pretty late. Yeah, and uh, I uh, so I would love to. Um, you know, have our, this, this is a special episode, so I don't know exactly when we'll do it, but then we can shoot an episode where we maybe talk about your views and questions like that. Let me just go through my list here and see if there's anything that I wanted to maybe mention to you or ask you about. Oh, I did find out one thing. You guys do practice the word of wisdom in your group. That's correct. Yes. Um, the word of wisdom, you know, really, what is a commandment? Um, we actually discussed this a little bit in one of our Psalm Assembly sessions today. Um, that commandments are really instructions in our view, in, in, in our Mormon view. We don't view commandments just as, um, like there's a view of right and wrong that, that talks about God as being offended or angry um, and us needing God's forgiveness for offending God when we, when we sin, for example, right? But we often take uh, this a little bit differently. In Doctrine and Covenants section 82, it says this. So I, I found the, the passage. And I'll just read it to you. It says, uh, the Lord says, I say unto you, I give unto you a new commandment that you may understand my will concerning you. Or in other words, I give unto you directions how you may act before me that it may turn to you for your salvation. For I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, ye have no promise. Um, so yeah, that's uh, DNC 82, um, 8 through 10. And, uh, and, and basically, that's, that's the way we view sometimes this question of sin, or this, this question of what is a commandment? What is, um, what is it when God tells us to do something? It's not just that God is arbitrarily making up something, or that God is just explaining his personal preference uh, about something. It's not an opinion. When God is expressing a commandment, he's teaching us what to do. He's giving us instructions because there are results. There are consequences to our actions. And he's saying, look, I, I'm giving you a commandment because I'm teaching you. I'm giving you instructions so that you'll know how to act so that it will turn to your salvation. So it'll be to your benefit, essentially. <laughs> Interesting. I, I did. I have another question for you. One of the first thoughts that hit me when I saw the gentleman um, wearing the, the yarmulke in the service was, mm -hmm. okay, this is interesting. They're obviously integrating some Jewish aspects back into their worship mm -hmm. services as being revealed. Um, mm -hmm. The obvious question is, why aren't you doing services on the Sabbath, which would be Saturday? You know, there's an interesting, a lot of interesting history to that. Um, you know, that's never really been a robust part of the restoration. Joseph Smith uh, met on Sundays. Um, I think it might be an interesting innovation that may happen sooner or later. But again, I generally interpret the scripture. For example, he says, on six days, he did all his labor. On the seventh day, he rested. Well, which day is the seventh day? Um, this actually reminds me of something rather hilarious that happened to me. Um, I lived in Taiwan for a couple of years, okay? And there's a Seventh-day Adventist hospital in, um, in Taipei and a pretty good community. The Seventh-day Adventist church is all over the world. But I realized the problem 
I thought, oh my goodness, they're gonna. How do the Seventh Adventists handle being in Taiwan? Because in Chinese, um, it's Liozhir is is Saturday. It literally Saturday is called the sixth day of the week. That is the name of the day. That's what's written on the calendars. Every Saturday is the sixth day. So I said, wait a second, are you guys the sixth day Adventists? Right? And they said, uh, no, because of that problem in Chinese, we are the Lord's Day Adventists, hmm. literally translated in Chinese. Um, and I remember, and I actually, I read, I read a, um, some of the, I read an entire book um, of Ellen White's about this. And, I, and I've, I, I've, so I've contemplated this question, Saturday Sabbath, a Sunday Sabbath. My personal view is that the Lord wants us to take one day in seven as a day of rest. I don't know if it matters where number one, two, three, four, five, it, six is, but when you get to number seven, stop and take a day off. Um, you know, the, the, and there's, there's arguments about whether or not historically it's been transmitted correctly, whether or not, you know, any of that. And so as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure that it's changing the commandment or changing, um, changing the observance of the Sabbath for it to be one particular day or another. Uh, it seems to me that throughout history, there have been plenty of opportunities to lose track of exactly which day was the original seventh day as well. So, um, but you know, maybe I'm just making some justifications. Um, I know some people are very, very, feel very, very strongly about this. There's a few in the restoration, uh, other groups that feel very, very strongly about a Saturday Sabbath. Um, and I guess I just don't have super strong feelings either way. Now, if the Lord were to reveal that the Sabbath is Tuesday or something like that, I'd be like, no problem. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm happy with whatever the Lord tells me, but I just I, I just don't know that that's ever been one of those questions that's really been, um, I don't know, it's just not as prescient, I guess, in my community. That's good. That's good. interesting. So uh, I was talking to a couple of people about you. And actually, I was mentioning it to Christopher Thomas when we do like our weekly uh, sessions. And I told him the one thing I like about Benjamin is that he is a fundamentalist, but he's not a dead ender like a lot of fundamentalists are in my movement. Uh, you're intellectually curious. Um, you have a vibrancy about you that, you know, uh, that I don't see with a lot of, a lot of Christian fundamentalists. Um, you know, I think the difference is, is that what, how the, how the, terms got coined sure in mormonism the term mormon fundamentalism was actually coined by the lds church pr department they're the ones who gave us that moniker essentially um and generally we adopted it um we're, and i'm talking this goes back to the 1930s um because the idea that uh well we do believe in the fundamentals of, the, of we believe it's fundamentally true we um and we stick to the fundamentals of the gospel and what are the fundamentals well uh, in Mormonism, that's usually a distinction between theory and practice. Those who believe that practice can change, like the LDS Church do, are considered not to be fundamentalists because they change their practices. Um, whereas we're considered fundamentalists because we keep the same practices. But it's not necessarily the same thing as saying um, theological fundamentalism, as in biblical literalism, things of that nature. Um, we're not necessarily biblical literalists, for example. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't have a strong streak of that. But I would say that, for example, in 
so-called Mormon fundamentalism, there's there's probably more open-mindedness rather than less uh, than there is in the mainstream LDS church. However, uh, there are some just fundamentally minded people as well who are very, very literalist. Um, they're also in my, my church. But I think one of the most most uh, most liberating things, it was such a breath of fresh air for me in coming into Christ Church is here we can actually disagree. We can debate openly about, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? And there are times when we have serious differences with each other on some point or another, but those points do not divide us. We, we view those as a great opportunities to seek for the revelation, to come into a unity of the spirit rather than a unity of um, orthodoxy that's enforced essentially as a form of literalism or fundamentalism. Instead, we come into a unity through the spirit and working it out together. Well, Benjamin, um, you know, it's, uh, this was really, really fun tonight. Um, I had to stay on my toes the whole time. Oh, I uh, know. I just kept putting different people in front of you. It was like, great. Well, what am I going to talk to this person about? Because I, I had no notes, no preparation. I had notes. I thought it would be a handful of people and I'd ask you questions in between, but it turned out to be really, actually, I'm really glad the way it turned out. It was fun. We're good. And uh, yeah. it was it talked to a lot of interesting and diverse people. And you know what, folks, you watch the, what you saw tonight and you realize that a lot of the stereotypes that you have in your mind um, are going to be blown away because you actually got to hear their stories and not through some prism or through some filter, but just a yeah. raw interview where they just let the people talk. And I don't give, you know, try to editorialize, just let people talk and ask the questions. And I think it's an important thing that we, we, have more of those kind of conversations yeah, and there was literally zero preparation zero warning to any of the people who talked to you they all just came in and talked they're good well i guess paul says you have to you know have a ready answer and uh, they all seem to have one so <laughs> yep okay um, well that's good <laughs> all right well hey uh, i just uh, want to thank you uh, benjamin for coming on to my program today and uh, i want to remind my audience to uh, like and subscribe and hit the uh, notification button to be informed when a new uh, episode is coming out. Uh, peace out, everyone, and have a great day. Good night.